hear what he has to say to us through the meeting. Um, Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Passion Translation says, I will always have more than enough. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And the Passion Translation of that verse is, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been, and I love this word, deposited in us by his divine power. So that's what we're celebrating this morning. He's risen and everything we could ever need for our life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For he has lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness is that a great verse the manifestation of his goodness is the word of god i was going to lift this up and say is this the word of god my bible's in the bag (laughs) but the word of god no i'm going to get it (laughs) is truth Is that correct? This is truth. So what I've read this morning is truth. God is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. Is this truth? His divine power is given to us, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness that means we have everything we need is that truth (laughs) we have everything we need in psalm 37 verse 25 david says i have been young and now i'm old yet i have not seen This didn't happen when I practiced it this morning. (laughs) I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. David went through a lot (laughs) and he saw a lot of death. He saw a lot of evil and yet here he is down near the end of his life and he said I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread he knew that thing had uh, that um, Peter talks about in second Peter that is deposited in us so that happened since the cross but this David he was he was also a man out of time wasn't he <laughs> because he said i had he that had been deposited in him 
so God doesn't lie. He's our loving Father. This is, it's full of it, full of his love for us. And the Father gave his only Son greatest gift. The Father gave his only Son. That's what we're celebrating. Well, we celebrate it every day if we love him. But we're celebrating it particularly today. And um, isn't that interesting that some people who don't know him are still celebrating it? <laughs> Which has got to be a good thing because it can open, open their eyes to see. Father gave his only son. Jesus laid his life down. That's the biggest giving that could ever happen. <laughs> How could we ever doubt that he has our lives in his hands? The Father gave his son, Jesus laid his life down. How could we ever doubt that he has our life in his hands? So this is offering teaching. So our gift comes out of our love for him as he gave to and loved us first. Do you know, don't give it if it's an obligation. But if it comes out of gratitude of what he's done and what we're celebrating today, he gave us everything. He's deposited everything that he is in us. We have everything that we need, no matter what we're seeing in the natural. David knew it. He saw lots of stuff in the natural. <laughs> he said, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And God has not forsaken us. He has not forsaken you, even if you may feel it. It's a lie from the pit of hell because the devil's a liar and Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. This is the truth. So when we read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that is the truth. When we um, read his divine power has been given to us that gives us everything that we need and it's been deposited in us, that is the truth. And those other things that sometimes we still listen to, and I heard someone, a preacher say this week, sometimes we listen to the enemy more than we listen to God. And, and that shocked me and I thought, oh, that can't, no, I would never do that. And then when the examples were given, I went, hmm, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, it's not working out for me. <laughs> Lie. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Lie. There's a bit of truth in there, but God fixed that. <laughs> we weren't worthy, but he's, he made us worthy. <laughs> All of those things that you hear, they're lies. <laughs> but this is the truth. The Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. Don't forget to ask. The scripture says that. That you don't have because you don't ask. So we're given all these things but we still have to open our mouth to Jesus. 
We still have to tell him. still have to ask him. We still have to knock on the door. We still have to be in communion with him. And so our giving is an opportunity to show our trust. Yes, Lord, you said, you know, it's, it's down there, it's scripture, it's not obligation, but he said the tithe's his and then you give um, the offering out of what you feel he's, he's saying to do. But our giving is an opportunity to prove to God that we trust him. Because if we think, oh, I can't afford to this week, well, we're not believing this, the Lord is my shepherd, are we? And we're not believing that he's given us everything and it's been deposited. And so um, continuing to do what the word of God says, watching for opportunities, what is in your hands. We've talked about that before. It's not the amount because remember the widow's might. And Jesus said this is the greatest because it was everything she had. It was just a penny or whatever it was in those days. So this was to encourage you today. <laughs> the Lord is our shepherd and he has given us everything that we need. Let's give like that. Let's give like that. Let's give knowing that we're giving out of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And it's got nothing to do with how much we've got because we know. And, you know, I, I can say a little bit, I, I have said a little bit like David. I don't know how old he was when he said that, but he said, I've, I've been young and now I'm old. I've walked with God a long time, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And so I say, hold, hold fast. <laughs> hold fast to what you know. Keep doing what you know is right and good, and what God requires of us to do justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly. And um, watch and see what God's going to do. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. God is good. All the time. All the time. You know, we live in a world that's changing, don't we? That's the only constant. It's change. Everything's changing. If you think it's not, have a look at a photo of yourself 10 years ago and then have a look in the mirror. Oh, hello? 
Some things have changed there. We live in a world of change. Malachi 3.6 says, God says, I am the Lord, I do not change. So in the midst of everything that is changing around about us, God says, I don't. I do not change. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is constant. He always was, he is and will always be. And these scriptures, they, they, just, they, they, they actually fly in the face of everything that we experience in life because everything changes, doesn't it? And yet we have a God who says, I do not change. I do not change. And, you know, there are some things that I think, if you think about them, are a little bit tricky to reconcile with our experience. Has anyone ever found that? You know, you read a scripture and you, and you think, ah, that's not, that's not my experience. Well, our experience is not a good indicator of what is truth. As, as Rosemary has already said, this is the truth. And as our life is meshed in with God's plan, we understand the truth that is in there, the truth that is God, the truth that who is God, and how that relates to the changing that, um, that we experience. The title of this message is God Has a Plan. God has a plan. I'd like to turn to John, Gospel of John, chapter 17. <clears throat> now, this is just before Jesus um, was betrayed, just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is praying... There's a record of, of Jesus' prayer. He prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers. So that's us. He prays for all believers. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, that's his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me." Father, I desire that they also whom you, have, you gave me may be with me where I am 
that they may behold my glory which you have given me for you loved me (laughs) before the foundation of the world. God's plan is an eternal plan. God's plan, he had the plan before he set everything in motion that is. Before he created anything, he had the plan of redemption for you and I. The plan of redemption that, that, that the world is, well, the, you know, the Christian world maybe is celebrating today. Jesus risen. The antidote, the answer for sin, the answer for separation from God, the answer to death was Jesus Christ's resurrection. And that plan happened before anything else did. And you say, well, how does that, how does, how, how can you have a plan before you actually put things into motion? We might get there in a moment. The plan has not changed. Oneness with God. God wants a oneness of himself, the creator, and his creation. The beings that he created. He wants such a relationship with each and every one of us and his church corporately. Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 1. The three, three passages I'm going to read here that all point to that same thought. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Got to be in Christ. We have to be in him. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Did you get that? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, (laughs) that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, the, the Christian world is a, is a, is a funny place and, and the history of, of the church is interesting because through the passage of time, very learned, intelligent, thinking people have looked at scriptures and have created doctrines around 
scriptures, the created teaching around scriptures. So this scripture encourages a doctrinal position that is limited by human experience. Now the 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 the, the Calvinistic um, so there's there's two really big branches of Protestantism, if you like. One was the, the, the Methodists and the, and the, you know, well, it's God has given us the will to choose. And the other one was the, like the Presbyterian stream that God has foreordained and predestined and, and doesn't matter what you do, it's, it's already worked out. And you think, well, what's true? This particular passage is used, and others like it, of, of where it talks about predestination. It, people have, have used that to say, well, look, it's, it's already set in stone. It doesn't matter what you choose. God, you know, some people are going to be saved and, you know, they're the ones that God has already chosen and some are not. That's just how it is. But that's limited. That's a, that, that doctrinal position is limited by a human experience. Because what's our human experience? We get born, we live through life, and we die. And there's change all the way through. It's linear. Time's linear. Starts here and it goes that way. You can't go back. There's no point thinking about or... or, or, or being upset about what happened yesterday in, in so far as you can change what happened yesterday. It's, it's already happened. It's done. Now, you can make amends for that and, and address messes that have been made if, if that's what needs to happen. But you can't change it. It's happened. That's the linear nature of this life. But understand that God created. God created all that. He's not limited by that. He's not limited by what he has created. The fact that God knows the end from the beginning speaks of the nature of God. Now, I've used that example before that, and whether it's on the money or not, it's an example that time is sort of like in a, in a, in a bubble and it's, it's doing its thing. But God is everywhere for all time. He can see the end from the beginning because he's already been there. And, and you think, well... You know, a lot of science fiction is a, is a, I think is a, is an attempt to. I don't know. Be outside of this reality. Well, in fact, God is. <laughs> he is. He is. So when we come to scriptures. And we look through the lens of our limited understanding, we'll come up with stuff that isn't quite right. It's not quite there. 
But it says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. He knew you. <laughs> before creation. That, that's, that's beyond comprehend. That's beyond natural comprehension. It is so much beyond natural comprehension. Once again, let's have a look at First Peter. First Peter chapter one. My my heading in uh, in this Bible is living before God our Father. So starting in verse thirteen. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that's a progressive, the revelation of Jesus Christ is a progressive unfolding revelation. Our spiritual understanding is growing as we are in him. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also, can, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And you say, well, yeah, well, I can't do that. Well, you can if you're in him. Because there is the grace for that to happen. But we must be in him. We must be believing in him. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Well, we're not to be afraid of anything, are we? Fear God. Put him in his right place. He is awesome. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus Christ is risen. Our faith and our hope are in him for all eternity. Our faith and our hope are in him. And that was established before the foundation of the world. God has a plan. God's plan has not changed. Now in verse 18 it says... um, says that we were redeemed from your aimless conduct. 
received by tradition from your fathers. Now, this is Peter. He's, he's speaking, and he may well have been speaking to um, Jewish people. And the things that were given in Judaism to follow that were just dead works. He may, in fact, be being speaking to um, some Gentile people. And they would have come out of, of, of aimless works. Do you know we've all got, we've all got a, a past? We've all got something that has been sewn into us? Family of origin, environment, all those things, education... And a lot of those things are aimless traditions. There are many, many, many aimless traditions in Christendom. And you know, God is taking those out of our experience, exposing them and taking them out of our experience. And we can so easily fall into tradition. It's a really, really easy thing because as human beings, we, we actually like a comfortable space. And a comfortable space is a, is a space where I know exactly what's going to happen and nothing's going to surprise me and, and I can, so I'm, I can be comfortable in that. And, and I've, you know, I've, I've expressed... <laughs> I've expressed um, my early church experience in that I would go to church and it would be about 45 minutes long and I would know exactly how long there was to go. I used to time it. Um, because I knew which prayer we were up to. I knew we were only going to sing three, three verses of each of the, of the hymns, so I knew how long that took. Sometimes they'd throw in one that was a bit longer, that'd mess you up by a minute and a half. And some people seemed to enjoy that. It was the most boring 45 minutes of my life each week. And, you know, the, the, but there was, I've said this before too, there was, there was two occasions where, um, where there was a little bit more action, Christmas and Easter, Christmas, the church was full. Easter, the church was full. I thought, where'd all these people come from? I didn't know they were Church of England, C of E, Christmas and Easter Christians. And, but there were, there were so many things that I actually... Uh, in, I don't know what it is, but I, I challenged in my own, in my own thinking. And... Um, you know, we always had fish on, on Good Friday. I don't like fish. Because it was, I don't, know what, I don't know what mum did to it, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't deep fried. It was, it was greasy cod or something, I don't know. It was disgusting. Why do I have to have fish on Friday? On Good Friday? Well, it's, you know, fish. Huh? 
as soon as I was old enough, I made a point of having a hamburger with a lot on Good Friday. <laughs> and yeah, I, I actually did read my Bible a little bit when I was when I was younger. And I and yeah, every, every Easter they'd, they'd bring out the, the 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 same scriptures and talk about Jesus' resurrection and and that um, over Easter you know it was Jesus said he'd be three days and three nights in the in the heart of the earth just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the of the of the whale of the fish whale big thing. Um, whatever and I sort of I used to think I used to count on my fingers Friday, Saturday, Sunday three days and three nights Friday night Saturday Saturday night <laughs> Sunday I, I didn't, didn't, didn't matter how many times I did it I could not get three days and three nights <laughs> Out of Good Friday, Saturday, Jesus risen on Sunday. It didn't work. It just didn't work. And I thought, what do I do with that? But that was, it's been received by, by tradition. You know, a lot of of what went really all over the place in Christendom was when the when Christianity became the state religion in Rome because there was a melding together of a whole lot of stuff that wasn't godly and Christianity was sort of put over this other stuff and some of our timings and, 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 you know, all sorts of, all, all manner of things left the word of God and became a melding of, of other thoughts. And, you know, God is good and he's been taking that out bit by bit, revealing himself. I actually did the other other day. I I, I sat down. I revisited this, and, and, and I, I'm a visual person. I did my my little diagram, you know, of days and nights, and 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 the Jews, the the, the Israel, they they measured days differently. They didn't start at midnight. It started at six a.m. That's the start of the day. You know, so the third hour of the day was nine o'clock in the morning. You know, these are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. Okay? So, you know, and look, whether it's Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, or what, it's... I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's actually re reality in there and there's truth in, in, in all of that. But it's not something to um, to make a doctrine 
over. It's not something to separate people who believe. So I'm not going to argue with you about <laughs> all those timings. It's actually, in, it's actually in the book, though. You know, the special Sabbaths. and the, You want to study it out. It's just a lack of understanding of what's actually in the Scripture. Because the Passover, he was the Passover lamb. And there was an actual structure to the Passover. Special Sabbaths and all the rest of it. And you know that knowledge, our knowledge, knowledge on its own is actually of, it's of some value. But it's of little value and indeed it can be dangerous. Because we're never going to have all the knowledge. We'll have bits. And somebody else might have something that I don't have that I can learn from because God has given that person that part of the puzzle and just because it's different or I haven't heard that before doesn't mean that I can't see what they're saying and find it in here and fit that piece of the puzzle you know Paul says that um, knowledge actually puffs up can make us arrogant you know, I think the enemy uses that sometimes in, in, the, in the Christian world to separate that, that whole area of knowledge. What we really need to seek is, is wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. The spiritual wisdom that, that comes from God. So if you'd like to turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. It's God's plan. God has a plan. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll start in verse 15. Paul praying. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. They go together, don't they? Faith and love. Faith working through love. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Sure, we start with knowledge, but there needs to be a spirit of wisdom, there needs to be a revealing and, and a right use of the knowledge that we have in him. Spirit of wisdom that may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God has a plan. His plan is his church. His plan is to fill his church. That means members individually and the body corporately with all that he is. Paul writes there, he, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and in me. And he says, he shall quicken our mortal body. God's plan. God's plan is to fill his body, his church, with himself. Always has been his plan before the foundation of the world. Always. The redemption of mankind through what he did on the cross and God raising him from the dead. But then the construction, the building of that body, which is the church. And, you know, it's something we, we, we look at the church and you think, oh, my God, I just can't see it. I can't see it. Do we, do, do we, walk, by, do we walk by sight? Is that, what, is that what we're going to go from? Or are we going to go from the truth of the word of God and what he says he's going to do? It's a choice. Now, when Jesus was teaching, this is in John chapter 6, verse 28, when he was teaching um, at one point, there were people who were wanting to get on board with what Jesus was saying. And uh, in verse 28, they said, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? This is from the New Living Translation. What should we do? We want to, we want to get on board. We want, we, want to, we want what God wants. What are we going to do? What is it that you want us to do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. The only work he wants you to do is to believe in the one he has sent. And you think, well, well no, there's lots of things to do. I mean, you know, it's things to do, things that must be done. We've, we've got to be doing. We're human doings. Mm, sounds a bit ordinary. No, we're human beings. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Do you know that everything else flows from that? And anything that doesn't come from that, it's not real. It doesn't have a reward attached to it. It won't produce. You know, we can do lots of good works. Good works. 
But if they're not connected to the source, they are dead works. Because there's no life in it. So, God, I said God has a plan. So is, is God still active? Is the, is the plan still working? Absolutely. And you say, well, what about the muck that we've gone through for the last two and a bit, bit years? What's, you know, we look and we see and we see the evil and we see the despair and we see all the stuff. What about all the muck? We can listen to what is presented to us. And I'm, I'm talking media. We can listen to what's presented. Or we can ask for our spiritual eyes to be opened to what God is doing. Because he wants to tell us. He wants us to know what he is doing. He doesn't want us to be in the dark in that. You know, I was, I was looking at, um, at uh, the story of, of Joseph and, and his experience. You know, his brothers sold him. <laughs> he was the fa- you know, dad's favourite and all the other brothers. Imagine having ten brothers, older brothers that were cranky with you. <laughs> that wouldn't be a good place to be. And they sold him. They were going to kill him, but got out of that one. They, they sold him, and he's a slave. And all the different experiences that he had, and yet God was with him through all of that. And he would have had bad days. And, you know, reading through the, the, through the, um, through the, 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 the recount and the story of, of Joseph, we don't actually get to see to to hear what you know some of those bad days were like. I'm sure he had some bad days. I'm sure he had some what is going on days. And yet God was with him through all of that. And and we know the story that he rose to to prominence in his in his master's house and then got thrown into prison through false accusation and he rose to prominence in the, in the prison and then, you know, from there to the palace and then he rose <laughs> and second in charge of, of, all of all of Egypt. And when he met with his brothers, when he revealed, <laughs> when he revealed himself to his brothers... And um, they were, of course, a little bit concerned because <laughs> he had the power to off with their heads. But in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, Joseph said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Yeah. <laughs> So there are forces in this world who mean evil for you and for me. That's absolutely true. But then there is God. 
the lover of our souls, the one who rose from the dead, defeated death, and is building his church. You meant, it, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. That doesn't mean all things are good. We know that. But all things work together for good to those who love God <laughs> and are called according to his purpose. And we know from that plan that was established before the foundation of the world. So if you know him, understand he's known you for a very long time. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I like to see the fulfilment of things. I, you know, when, when, I, when I have a plan, you know, often I plan things in my head. You know, I'm building something, I've got a plan. I actually, I actually see the finished product. And I love the fulfilment of, of going through that process of, of constructing and making and then seeing what I've made and matching that up with <laughs> the, the picture I had when I started <laughs> and God knows exactly what he's going to have he knows exactly what it's going to look like and you know he wants us to get on board with with that and there's a blessing in that and just the last scripture in John Chapter 20 and verse 29, when, when Jesus came and presented himself alive to his disciples, for old Thomas wasn't there. <laughs> and and uh, he, he didn't want to, he, he, he said, I can't, I, I can't accept it, I can't comprehend it, unless I, unless I see him, unless I put my finger, <laughs> um, fingers in, in his hands and Unless I see him in the flesh, I, I, I won't believe. And then Jesus turns up. <laughs> How would you feel? <laughs> and, and Thomas says, you know, my Lord and my God. And Jesus' response, he said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's us. But, you know, there's a promise with that as well. That, you know, that old saying, seeing is believing. Well, it's not really it. Believing comes first. And then God will reveal. Believing is seeing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. We're going to have communion in a moment, so if you haven't got your little cup of communion, get one now.
you know, for, for many people, communion is a ritual. And that's for many in the church. And I think if you ask them why they do it, well, they'd understand it was to do with the cross. For many outside of the church, it's a very strange thing. But often God chooses things that seem very strange. You've noticed that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said in verse 23, We preach Christ crucified. We preach about the crucifixion of Christ. This was the plan of God. Now, for anybody else that was listening while God was planning that, no, that's a really strange plan. That's not the plan we would choose. Paul goes on to say, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And when we begin to understand the ways of God and the wisdom of God, then we get a bit of a glimpse of the things that God wants to reveal to our heart. And once something has been revealed to you, it belongs to you. The things that are hidden, we don't know about. But the things that are revealed, they belong to us. We need to have a greater revelation of what this cup and biscuit represents. A revelation that then we can claim this belongs to me and what this represents, the wisdom of God, the power of Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified. And it goes on to say in that same book over in chapter 2, however, we speak the wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, not, nor the, the rulers of this age, they, they didn't know what was coming. And it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. God wants to unfold the revelation, the wisdom of God. There needs to be an unfolding revelation of the untold mysteries of God. There are things that are untold yet to be revealed that are the wisdom of God and when they are revealed, they belong to you. There is a greater unfolding of revelation of the communion, what it represents. The wisdom of God, the power of God. When you look at this, you would say, how could that be representing the wisdom of God and the power of God? That is why we need to have a heart that's so receptive to God and say, Lord, not my will, not my understanding, but your will, your wisdom, your ways. Let there be an unfolding revelation in my heart of the greater dimensions of the untold mysteries of God. This is a mystery of God. It said, had they known 
they would never have crucified. The rulers, the enemy, we know it's the devil behind it all. If he had have known, if he had a revelation of the wisdom of God, he never would have put Jesus on the cross. Because there is coming an unfolding revelation of that crucifixion victory for the church and the victory that the church is going to walk in through the power of the resurrected Christ. And that's what this represents. When we understand the power that was released, the wisdom of God in such a simple to many ritual. This is more than a ritual. This is a lifestyle of the Christian when they have a revelation of the power of God that's released through faith in the one who believes in the victory that Jesus won for each one of us over the enemy on the cross. To the world it looked like foolishness. To the enemy it looked like I've got the victory. But it was his greatest defeat. And when we understand Everything the enemy is doing is going to be frustrated by the word of God. I've, I've got one. I think I'm right. Thank you. This, this represents the broken body. That's what it represents. The body that was broken for you and for me. But do we understand that when we partake of the broken body, it's through an understanding or the revelation of his body was broken so that mine can be healed. We have, if we choose to follow in the wisdom and the ways of God, we have a revelation available to walk in of the divine power of God released in those who believe in the victory of the cross. This simple... Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to, to explain it in, in the depth of what it means. It's such a, a childlike simplicity... To just believe that this represents the greatest victory known to mankind. Do you know there's a divine health for the church to be walking in? And we have the ability to walk in that divine health when we believe in the power of the resurrected Christ. Over sin, sickness, he defeated it all for you and I. And we are able to walk in that victory by faith. We simply believe in what Jesus has done. What did Tim say? What's God require? That you believe. That you believe so you can walk in the victory. You can walk in divine health. You know what you're going to die of? Old age. Old age. Not something taking you out because Jesus has defeated all that on the cross. We walk in divine health by revelation of the unfolding of the mystery. There is a mystery that seems, how do I know? Faith works the mystery in our life. 
of divine health being available for the church to walk. Would you like to stand? Father, we just thank you for your wisdom. And we receive that wisdom by faith. And we now have the opportunity by faith to allow that victory to be released as we eat together. That our body will be quickened and restored to full operation. The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in us and he shall quicken our mortal body. And we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Let's eat together. And this represents the shed blood. And it's called a cup of blessing. And when you understand the victory, what a blessing it is. Hallelujah. Let's drink. Thank you, Father, for the unfolding revelation that the eyes of our understanding will be opened this day. And you will bring to our remembrance the victory that we are able to walk in every day through the power of the cross. That wisdom of Christ being revealed, Lord, the mystery, the revelation of the quickening power of the Spirit within every day to walk in victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be seated. Um, I just had a thought, thank you Jeff, Tim for speaking this morning and Rosemary, um, just had a thought about our women's night that's coming up next term. Just a reminder that we have these books for sale, so if you would like to be part of that Bible study, which is Priscilla Shira um, coming up, Rosemary will be able to connect you with one of these books, okay, so if you'd like to be part of that. Um, you don't have to have the book to be part of it, though, okay? So you can just come along. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed this morning. And, of course, we're going to enjoy some fellowship together and our hot cross buns. They're in the oven. And young people can follow me out that door in a moment and we'll get busy seeing if we can find some Easter eggs outside. So, yes. So spend a little time chatting with each other, enjoying Easter morning and uh, good morning and God bless you.